Wasn't worship really good? I, I got to stop there. Worship was really good. And this is my first time actually like getting to enjoy worship because usually I have my daughter with me. And if any of you guys know Shiloh, she's a handful. She is, um, she likes to run around. She wants to be with mommy on the stage grabbing the mic. So my mother-in-law is watching at home. Thank you very much for watching Shiloh today. You're a godsend. Thank you. God bless you. Um, but I got a question for everybody and I want a response here. Um, so you can lift your hands. How many people here love fashion? Yes. Good. So I grew up in the 90s and early 2000s. That's when I was in junior high school and high school. Yes, I am that old. I think we went there already. Me and Jess are that old. Yes. Um, so I went to school in the 90s and 2000s. And fashion, just like it is today, was a big thing. Um, it really mattered what you wore or who you wore. And if you weren't on trend, usually you got gigged on. Someone was making fun of you in class, in school, around the lunch table. Um, and the brands that were popular when I was growing up, you know, we had the Polo, the Tommy, the Nordica, the FUBU, and a few other ones, right? And back then, logos were a big thing. So if you don't remember what fashion was back then, everybody had like a giant logo that they put on their, like the front of their shirt or the back of their shirt or like FUBU, I think had it like down the side of the pants or on the back of the pants. So they were really noticeable, really big. And like me, many of you probably in this room are not an only child. Who's not an only child here? All right, good. Unlike my wife, she is an only child. She had a blessed life. She did not have to have any hand-me-downs. My mom and dad are sitting right there. I got hand-me-downs. I have an older brother. I got to wear hand-me-downs. And a lot of times when you get hand-me-downs, they're like two seasons later. So they were cool like two years ago, but they're not cool anymore. Like everybody's wearing something else. So I was rocking that stuff. Or if I really wanted to buy something new and something that was on trend, I went to Canal Street to shop. Anybody go to Canal Street before? Um, so when I was growing up, that was the spot where you would go to to get all the designer brands for a lot cheaper than they were selling them at Macy's. And when I got into high school, I quickly learned that Canal Street wasn't what it was supposed to be. You weren't getting the authentic polo shirt or Tommy shirt or kicks, um, like Mel told me a story uh, before service. So you weren't getting the genuine thing. And I really didn't know that until I got to high school. And it wasn't until you got the two items side by side that you saw the difference, right? So if you were just walking down the street, nobody's going to point down and go, that's fake over there. No, it wasn't until you were standing next to somebody that was wearing the exact same item, but the real thing, that you noticed it. And I learned it the hard way in school. I walked into school one time, right before I knew that Canal Street was fake. Um, I walked in, and I walked in with a polo green hoodie. And I don't know if you remember at that time, but there was a polo green hoodie, and then it had the bear, the polo bear, and it said polo across the front in leather. I thought it was cool. I was rocking out with my jeans and my Tims, walking into school. I was good. Then my friend comes into the lunchroom, and he's wearing the exact same sweater. And at first, he doesn't say anything. But then he's like, why does your shirt look different than my shirt? And that's where the unraveling happened. I noticed the logo was different. 
I noticed the stitching underneath was really bad. The leather was really pleather. Um, so it, it was really embarrassing. And I got the jokes afterwards. And I really felt duped. I really felt like, like, yo, I just got played. Like, I spent money on this thing, and it's not real. Growing up here in New York, that's something, that's a life lesson I took with me from there going forward everywhere that I go. No matter what I do, I'm always looking for the real thing now. I go shopping, I'm like making sure this is the real, even if I'm in like the coach store or something, it's like, is this the real thing? <laughs> Opening up the bag, when I go to buy a, a car, all of the things that I go to buy or do, when I'm on the train and dude is, um, the, the people are selling batteries, are those real Duracell? They're a dollar. Like, yo, if you go into CVS, it's like $7 for a pack of Duracell. So are those the real things? You know, all of those things. But my question for everybody here today is, do we have the same level of scrutiny when we encounter the spiritual moments, the things of God? Do we have that same scrutiny when we encounter those things as we do with the things in this world that we buy or where we go or where we put our money? Do we have that same level of scrutiny? And today, we're going to be diving into the spirit of truth, which is the title of this sermon. We're going to be diving into how to discern spiritual matters. Now, if you can, you got your service sheets, the verses right there. I'm reading from 1 John 4, 1 through 6. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you've heard is coming and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who's in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. We are from God and whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth from the spirit of falsehood. Can we pray real quick before we go in? Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to be sharing your word, Lord God. And I humbly, Lord God, ask that you would come and speak through me, God. God, that I would be your mouthpiece, your oracle today, Lord God, that your spirit would have his way in each and every one of our hearts, starting with me, Lord God. So we thank you that you would come and visit us, that you would come and speak to us, that you would renew our minds and renew our hearts in you. In Jesus' name, amen. So John starts us off, and he lets us know off the bat, off the top, you cannot take every spiritual experience at face value, but instead, you're called to examine those experiences. Now, why was it so important for John to make this clarification or statement to the church? It's because he said, many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now, this is not the first time that we've heard heard of false prophets going out into the world. It's actually a reiteration of stuff we've heard earlier in Scripture. Jesus said it himself in Matthew 7, 15, and then again in Mark 13, 22. And then Peter goes to reiterate this in 2 Peter 2, 1. 
You see, the false prophets, they appear to be genuine. They appear to look like us, but their message, it's destructive and it leads people away from the truth. So where did these false prophets come from? They came from within the church. That's what John's letting the church know. They came from within them. Now, there was these people, these group of people. This is just some context to the scripture that we're going into right now. There was these group of people that seceded away from this particular church that John is speaking to. And they seceded, and they had one gripe with the gospel message that they did not agree with. And this one gripe was God and his humanity. They did not see God or Jesus as man. They had a problem with that. So they left the church and they began to preach a gospel, removing Jesus's humanity from the gospel. So Jesus was still God, but he wasn't man. Why is this important? Why is Jesus's humanity so important? And I have to make sure I clarify this for everybody here. If you take away Jesus's humanity, you take away salvation through grace in Christ. See, to redeem mankind, God required a perfect sacrifice. And this could only be achieved through the death of a perfect man. However, since man was born of Adam, his seed was forever entangled with sin. So the DNA of man has sin in it. So God needed a perfect sacrifice. So that's why he had to, by the Holy Spirit, impregnate Mary so that there could be a perfect man on earth. Jesus had to have the full atonement of sin. He had to take on sin. He had to become sin for us. He had to stand in the gap for us so that we didn't have to die. That is why Jesus's humanity is so important. There needed to be a perfect sacrifice and there was only way, there was only one way you were going to get that. Jesus, God had to come down and he had to take on flesh so that he could die in our place. That's the importance of it. That's why John was hitting home on this point so much to clarify what it looked like. Now, we can't like skirt over this, but John said that those that seceded or those that walked away, the message that they were sharing, what they were speaking, they were speaking in the spirit of the Antichrist. Now, I know Mel did a great job a few weeks ago clarifying who the Antichrist was, what it is, but I just want to give you some context on what this spirit of the Antichrist that they were um, in the middle of and they were talking about. In John 12, 31, the enemy is called the ruler of this world. And then in Ephesians 2, 2, Paul says that he's called the prince of the air, or in some translations, the prince of the airways. So John is connecting the spirit and the secessionist with the enemy of God. So the message that they're speaking, what they're doing is anti-Christ or against Christ. Just some clarity there for all of us. Now, at this point in time, we know that when there was any kind of communication going on, it's not the same communication that we have going on today. So usually these messages were either shared in sermons in house churches or there was probably some public speaking. We got some crates back there. They probably would stand on a crate and they would get up like in the town square and just start saying whatever they wanted to say and people would form a crowd. That's how they would get their message across. Or 
there was one-on-one -on -one conversations. And this is very important because there's a, it goes, it goes from a person speaking this in a face-to-face -face kind of encounter where like I'm here speaking this thing to now, nowadays we have TV, radio, podcasts, music, social media, books. We have all these different platforms of communication where messages can go out, where things can be said compared to like back then where they had to physically be in the room to hear it. And what John is letting us know in this text is that when we encounter those spiritual experiences, we're, we're called to closely examine them. Is this the real thing? Is this really water? Is this the real scripture? Is this the real thing that, that, that God was, that the gospel message that was shared with me? Or is this something different? And I think about a few moments ago, right, when Jess and Noreen were up here, we really want to know that those spiritual experiences that we just encountered were the real thing. They weren't manufactured by somebody. It wasn't just trying to think of ways, how am I going to get people's reaction? How am I going to sing this note to get people to, to react to this thing? How am I going to call it out? Um, and then when we, when we create and we um, put together these sermons, David and the preaching team, Justin, we want to make sure that we're not preaching and coming up with these messages to play to your emotions, to get an emotional response from you. Oh, I want, I, I want you to come up crying. I want you to do this. That's not what we're doing. We're trying to create these messages so that you have a closer walk, closer relationship with Christ and with his people. That's the goal of what we're doing. And John is trying to make sure the church understands it takes testing. It takes examination of what's coming out of people's mouths. If I can be real with you guys, everybody here is a New Yorker, whether you're a transplant or you grew up here, right? So we, we screw, like I said earlier, we scrutinize everything. You ride the train, you always scoping people out, like what they doing, what they hustling. You know, you got the, the young people on the train selling the candy, and when I was growing up, I remember they would sell candy and they would say, they would always say they're selling it for school or something like that. But now at least they're a little honest. They come up and they're like, yo, I'm selling it to, to, just to keep myself off the street so I don't do anything dumb, you know. But they walking through and they got like the newest J's on and, you know, like they're rocking better clothes than me. So I'm like, man, you know, do I really want to buy that candy from them? Or how long has that candy been sitting out there? Um, where did you buy that candy from? Or you got, and this takes me back, I don't know if anybody ever rode the J train. I've only seen him on the J train. There's a, there's a man that gets on the J train and he's deaf and he passes out cards. So I remember growing up and sitting on the J train and he would come, I would be going to school and he'd come and pass out the cards and ask for money and stuff like that. But I remember one time I was sitting on the J train and he's passing out cards and I'm like over here and he's over here passing out the cards. And this lady all the way over there, she was getting ready to donate. She opened up her purse and she pulled it open and she go to grab some change out and the change fell. My man did. So after that, I was questioning, like, is he really deaf? Did he feel the vibrations like daredevil? Like, I, I was thinking to myself, yo, is this real? We're New Yorkers, right? We do this. When someone's asking for money, if they're homeless, we're always like, what are they going to use it for? What are they going to do with this money? Are they really going to buy food? All of this stuff. So we do all of these things. And what, what John is encouraging us is, he's like, 
Yo, don't be gullible. Don't be naive. Just because they say they're a Christian, just because they say this is, this is the word of God, don't take it at face value. Really listen. Really pay attention to what they're saying. Really listen to what's coming out of their mouths. Don't just take it at face value. And he gives us clear criteria on how we're supposed to test the spirits. John says that we're able to test the spirits by measuring them against the Holy Spirit. By measuring them against what the Holy Spirit has already said is true. And he calls our attention clearly to what's happening in the church. The fact that he says that you have to acknowledge that Jesus came in the flesh and those that don't acknowledge, well, they have the spirit of the Antichrist operating within them. So he makes it clear for us there's one message. There's not multiple messages of the gospel. There's one singular message of the gospel. If you deviate from it, then you're not full of the Holy Spirit. You're full of the Antichrist. That's what he's saying. Clear as day. There's not anything that he's sugarcoating there for anybody. Give me a second. I'm going to take a drink of water. <clears throat> In Christianity today, there's a lot of experience-based preaching going on. What do I mean by that? How do you feel after the worship set? How do you feel after the preaching, after the time of prayer? Do you feel better? Do you feel encouraged? Are you feeling good about yourself? Today, the message that is being shared is not the same message that these secessionists we're preaching, right? They, they, took the, they took the flesh away from Jesus, his humanity away from Jesus. Now, instead, we're, we're facing a gospel that is us-centered, where Jesus is there to benefit us, to make us feel good, to get us to heaven, to handle our problems, and to bless us. By centering our experience, we've removed Christ from the center of the gospel, and we put ourselves in his place. So the, what I'm trying to say here is the message is more important than the feels it gives you, right? If you get up here and if I get up here and I speak and I say a lot of clever things and you feel, oh, ooh, that feels good. That, ooh, that, that, yeah, ooh, God's going to bless me. You feel all these things, right? And you walk out, but your life is not changed. There's nothing that happens in your heart. You're walking away and you feel good about yourself. You feel like, oh, I'm doing good, man. I, I really am, you know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing great and God is going to bless me for it. I could take you back to 2015. And there's a couple of people in the room that were probably in the same room I was that heard this message. And I just want to share with you a little bit of this message that I heard. So in 2015, I sat in a conference and I heard a famous preacher, won't say no names, speak on an amazing word on how we are number eight. That was the title of his sermon. He actually wrote a book about it too. Um, and the, the, the crux of his message was how uh, King David was uh, anointed king over Israel. And it's about how King David was overlooked by his dad and his brothers. How um, he was faithful with the work that he was doing but he wasn't given any recognition. They forgot about him and how we are those number eights, right? So we are those that are forgotten and overlooked and all of these things. But 
just like King David, God saw him, and one day, God is going to bless you. God is going to give you the, the recognition, the status, all of these things. He's going to come, and he's going to bless you. And I remember he went on to talk about how God is going to bless your bank account, and you're going to have all the zeros at the end of your bank account, how you're going to get the perfect house that you want, and you're going to get the amazing family with the beautiful wife or a handsome husband and the great kids that are perfect, they don't do anything wrong. They're potty trained the second they come out. All of these things. That, that was like the, the crux of his message. How God is going to bless you and how God is going to see you and recognize you. And all of these things and how you were going to get this elevation in your status. And no longer were you just going to be doing the, the, the sound. Or no longer were you going to be cleaning up. But you're going to be up there and you're going to preach. And you're going to be a prophet. And all these other things that he was saying. And I remember I left there and I felt good. I was like, yo, nobody sees what I'm doing, but God sees, and I'm going to be blessed. Man, I can't wait for my bank account to change. I can't wait for all of these things to happen. I can't wait for that house. I can't wait for that, that car. All of these things that were going through my mind, I can't wait to be blessed. And that was the message. That was the gospel that he was speaking. And there was 2,000 people in the room that were listening and hearing this thing. And at that point in time, I didn't have any direction. So I didn't know it was like, wow, is this really? Like, I wasn't examining what he was saying. I wasn't testing what he was saying. I took it at face value. He's the man of God. He's preaching. This has to be God's word. And I remember looking back and being like, wow, that was really naive and dumb of me, like to think that way, to just sit there and be like, well, the man of God spoke. That means it has to be from the Lord. Like nowadays, I'm examining every message. And I encourage you, examine every message, whether it's Justin preaching up here, David preaching up here, a podcast you're listening to, go and examine. But in order to combat or to, to examine, to fully understand these false messages, we have to know what the standard of truth is. We have to know what, what is truth and what is lie. And then John, in the text, he goes back, and in verse 4, he opens up and he says, little children, you are from God, or dear children. How do we know we're from God? First off, because we've confessed that Jesus has come into the flesh, we are the children of God. That's clear. He made it in the text. He let us know. And secondly, we're indwelt by God. This indwelling is affected by the Holy Spirit. Now, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, it, it's, it sounds really uh, complex and deep. So I just want to break it down for you. In Ephesians, Paul lets us know how crucial the Holy Spirit is to our redemption and our walk with Jesus Christ. In Ephesians 1.13, he says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, we're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So there, Paul lets us know how important the Holy Spirit is to us. And John lets us know that we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit in us. And because the Holy Spirit is in, uh, is in us, John lets us know that we overcome all the false teaching. He said it, to the believers there in the text, he said, you overcome them because the spirit that's in you 
is greater than the spirit that's in the world. Where these people were speaking from, this viewpoint of the world that they were speaking from, removing Jesus and his humanity. Today, the gospel message that's being preached to us, the gospel message that's out there, right? So we have the true gospel, and then we have this gospel that talks about how God is going to bless us and make us great and all these other things that are out there. There, We have to be able to combat that gospel message that's out there. And it's a gospel message. It's not the gospel message. John knew and wanted the readers of the letter to know that our spiritual security is solely and ultimately dependent on the work of the Holy Spirit within us. See, the ability to overcome the false teaching, the the things that try to derail us, we can't conjure up this thing ourselves. We can't make it happen ourselves. It's not like when false teaching is there that we're just going to be like, I will this false teaching to go away. I, I know it's a false teaching. There's no way for us to know many times because it sounds so much like the real thing. It sounds so much like what everybody else is saying. So the, the noise, it just blends in. And it's one word, one phrase, one thing that they take and it just takes you left or takes you right. It doesn't keep you on the straight. But it's solely the power and the work of the Holy Spirit within us to overcome all that will derail and try to destroy our faith. This is the firm basis for our Christian assurance, the Holy Spirit. John goes on and he says that those secessionists, they were no longer part of the church. They were no longer part of the body. They were part of the world. Their viewpoint was the world, and the world received the message. The world liked what they were hearing, and they received that message. They liked what they said, and they put a ring on it. Okay? (laughs) And honestly, the message, like I said earlier, that's being out there, it sounds really good. If I could be honest, it sounds so good. Who doesn't want to believe that Jesus is going to make you great? You know, nothing with politics here, but there was somebody that said that they wanted to make America great again, right? And they walked around and that was their, that was their stamp. And though, you know, though I, I don't know what making America great again is, I don't know what that looks like because the America that I see is broken right? No matter what, whether it was him or two or four years before him or four years before that, we've always been broken. There's always been something wrong with us. And the reason why we're broken is because we don't, we're not aligned with Christ. So we're always going to be broken. There's always going to be work to do. So we're never really going to be great. But who doesn't want to hear a message about being great? Who doesn't want to hear a message that Jesus wants to make you great, that Jesus wants to bless you, that Jesus wants to give you all these things? And all you have to do is come to church once a week, serve in ministry every once in a while, and, you know, read the Bible when you can, or do a morning devotional off of uh, the Bible app. Like, and you do those things, and God's going to make you great. And that's the message that's preached. And there's no call to repentance from sin. There's no laying down. There's no sacrifice. There's nothing that comes with this message about what we have to do. It's all 
Well, no, all you have to do is believe and, and Jesus is going to make you great. That's, that, that's the viewpoint of the world and the world is eating it up. What do I mean by the world is eating it up? And I know I'm going to get flack for this, so I'm ready for it afterwards. I'm going to get some fire. Justin, just letting you know I'm going to get fire after this. You got dudes like Kanye who do Sunday service one minute and the next minute they drop in an album that degrades women, that talks about sex and drugs and all these other things that don't line up with God. How can that be? How can fresh water and bitter water come out of the same spring? That's what the Bible says. Or you got dudes like Justin Bieber that can lead worship with Chandler Moore and then sing a song about peaches in Georgia and those other stuff that's going on in that song that I won't say to you. Or takes pictures on Instagram and Nothing that he's doing on Instagram is glorifying God, but you can get up there and sing a worship song. Why is that? Because the gospel that they heard about is not the true gospel. So what? There's compromise there. They think that they're good. <laughs> Got Justin throwing shots back there. <laughs> they think they're good. They think they have the truth. But what that shows me, unfortunately, what that shows me based on this scripture is that the Holy Spirit is not in them. Because if he was in them, they would know that they're wrong and they would know that they have to stop doing these things. That's, that, that's what I see. And I may be wrong. You can come to me after service and, let, and tell me whatever you want to tell me and I'll gladly sit there. And I know there's Kanye fans and there's Justin fans out there and you know some of their music is really cool. I understand. But I'm just coming with you with what, what's here in Scripture, what's for us. And the thing is, we eat it up. We eat it up. All of us downloaded that Sunday, whatever the name of his album was for uh, Kanye's uh, Christian album. We all downloaded it and we were all jamming to it. And I, I love him and I pray to God that God wakes him up and saves him and leads him in the way that he's supposed to go. But we, we sop that stuff up. The way I think about it, right, is... If you're hungry and someone takes a plate of food before you and it's got, so I'll give you my favorite food. My mom makes chicken cutlets, amazing. If you ever have the opportunity to go to my mom's house, have her make you some chicken cutlets. Puerto Rican chicken cutlet. So I'm thinking my mom's chicken cutlet, her white rice, her beans, some aduros and avocado. They put that in front of you, you starving. And then someone puts in front of you a kale salad with some grilled chicken. You hungry. I promise you, you're going to go for the plate with the, with the chicken cutlet and everything, and you're going to eat like I eat. And my wife is back there, so she can attest. My head does not come up from the plate until the plate is empty. So you're just eating like this. Uh, 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 and you don't even stop to chew. I just, I'm swallowing. Half the time, I'm like, my stomach has to do a lot more work and my, like, to break down the food that I just swallowed because I didn't chew. That's what happens with this message that's out there. They just eat it up. They're just eating it up. And John's like, no, no, no. Examine the food. Chew it. See if it's like really cooked. I went to Florida. We went to a restaurant. We waited about five and a half, six hours for food. I'm not playing. This is like the longest wait for food ever. Went to this Puerto Rican restaurant. I forgot the name of it. And uh, it was for my brother's birthday. And 
I ordered chicken cutlet, white rice, all of the stuff. There's people that got more complex dishes than me and got their food. So he comes out. He brings me my food. I cut this thing open. My chicken is pink on the inside. I was starving. Imagine if I was like not paying attention, not really thinking about it, and just started to eat it. Just, you know, thanks, mom. Just picture the, 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 the chicken, the rubberiness of chicken when it's not cooked, just bouncing back. And like, that's how disgusting it is. We have to examine everything we're taking in. Everything that's coming in has to be fully tested and examined, has to be fully thought out. Like, you can't just take it in just because it looks good on the outside, because it looks cooked on the outside, because honestly, it looked cooked on the outside. It was nice and crispy on the outside. They threw it in the fryer, but it was still raw on the inside. John lets us know, and I'm getting ready to close out. Worship team, don't come up yet. I'll call you in a minute. Um, but he says, we are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us. Who's this we? So I know I've said a lot about examining the message, and then you're like, but then who do I listen to? Who do I, you know, like, who do I consume uh, during this time? John says the we is who we referred to earlier as those that believe that Jesus came in the flesh. These are the people that have been sealed with and have the power of the Holy Spirit in them. These are the preachers and the teachers, the prophets, the worship leaders, the community of believers that we should be surrounding ourselves, engaging with conversation with, learning from, sitting in Bible studies with, all the things that we want to do, we should be doing with these group of believers. Now, how do you know people have the Holy Spirit within them? But you have to listen closely. You have to listen to what's coming out of their mouth. Because he says, in contrast, those who don't believe that Jesus came in the flesh, don't listen to them. Don't pay attention to them. Don't engage a conversation with them because it's futile. It's not going to go anywhere. They're not part of the community of believers. We're supposed to reject the message that they're sharing. And the problem is that they look like us. They like the same worship songs we do. They might have them in their church. They, they, all of the things that would make you look at them and say, oh, well, they're different. No, no, no. They look just like us, but their message is different than ours. And John says that that's how you know who has the spirit of truth within them and who has the spirit of falsehood. It's by that one deviation from the gospel. The gospel is key. And the only way that we know and we align up with the gospel is by having the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit within us. Jess, Ben, can you come up? See, today we've been reminded that we are not in this walk alone. This is not a solo walk. Instead, we're promised and sealed with the Holy Spirit. He gives us the power to discern, to overcome what we hear, see, and experience. We can't be fooled just because someone may be a Christian, may sound like us, just because they may like some of the same music as us. 
We can't just take what they're saying at face value, like I said earlier. We have to examine and test everything that comes out of their mouth. Every utterance, every statement, every worship song, every book we read, we have to really examine it to see if it measures up, to see what the spirit of truth reveals inside of us and lets us know this lines up with me and this does not. And if something does not, it's very easy to walk away, put it aside. You want to get rid of the book, get rid of the book. You want to get rid of the worship song, leave it off your iTunes, or if you have an Android, whatever's on an Android um, for music, you could delete it off of there. Sorry, took a shot at Android people. The Holy Spirit, His Spirit of Truth, it will confirm and affirm all that is from God to us. We have to really be listening to His voice to what he says we should be doing and we should not be doing, who we should be sitting around and who we should not be sitting around. And there may be some people in here today and you don't know if you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. You don't know if the Spirit is active within you. I want to encourage you during this last song to really examine your heart. And if you don't know if the Holy Spirit is with you. During this last song, there'll be some of the leaders on the side over here. You're more than welcome to come up and ask us and we'll pray with you. Or if you're more comfortable sitting in your seat, you can talk to God because we don't have anything special uh, inside of us that changes us from talking to God and doesn't make you accessible to talk to God. You can ask God, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit, with the Spirit of truth, so that I would know right from wrong, so that I won't walk away but I will stay firm on the path of righteousness. Can you please stand with me quick? I'm just going to pray us and then Jess is going to lead us in this last song. Lord, I thank you today that we're not in this alone. That you didn't just leave a book for us to learn and to memorize so that we wouldn't fall, God. But you gave us your Holy Spirit. You gave us the person of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. And he is called the Spirit of Truth because he always leads us to all truth. So I pray today, God, as we, Lord God, get ready to close out this service, that we wouldn't leave here without knowing that we've been sealed and that we walk with the spirit of life inside of us, Lord God, the spirit of truth inside of us, so that we learn how to test every single spirit that we come in contact with. We thank you today that we're not in this alone, but that we have you with us everywhere, everywhere we go. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.